Hello and welcome to Ditch Finvox, Voices in Digital Finance. I'm your host, James DiBiazio. If you enjoy the program, give us a like, share, subscribe. My guest today is Paul Harrapin, the Asia-Pacific lead at payments giant Stripe. We spoke about how Stripe is using chat GPT and other artificial intelligence models and how it is positioning itself to compete in Asia. Paul Harrapin, APAC lead at Stripe. Welcome to DigiFinVox. Thanks, Shane. Great to, great to be here with you. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, yep. uh, Stripe, of course, does a number of things in the, the, the payment space. You've, um, you help uh, connect uh, e-commerce platforms and other internet companies to a variety of payment methods. Uh, you've got uh, billing services, uh, which Digfin has actually used in the past, um, right. point of sale, customization, and, um, and then uh, fraud detection. Uh, and I guess on the AI side, the fraud detection is probably where you guys would have had the most experience. Um, so because it's such a hot topic, why don't we just get straight into it? Uh, what's happening now with AI uh, in your business? Uh, yeah, thanks, Jamie, and, and, and thanks, for, uh, thanks for your business as well. Uh, you, you're right. Maybe I'll just reflect on on the things you just said and, and, and allow that to flow into the, the uh, AI um, discussion. As you know, from a Stripe perspective, you know, our goal really is to uh, drive and increase the GDP of the internet. Um, and we're doing that by building out a global payment and treasury network um, that, that brings more to organizations than just payments. Um, payments is obviously very important, but as we continue to see the growth of the subscription and consumption economy, that's becoming more and more important. Whether you're uh, a newspaper, a digital uh, publication, or you're one of the world's uh, biggest platforms, that becomes really, really important. We can talk about that as we as we go along. On the artificial intelligence side, Stripe is is leveraging that in a few ways. Uh, first of all, in, in internally, as you can imagine, with you know, upwards of a trillion dollars of transactions and millions of customers. Uh, looking at fraud is a very, very complex area. And so our radar tool relies on machine learning and artificial intelligence to look at millions of transactions every day and sort through those uh, and leverage artificial intelligence to, to find uh, the fraud at the source. Um, and there's many other aspects to it from identification of, of people in the first place in KYC, preventing money laundering and, and other uh, financial problems. But artificial intelligence is, is really the only way to do this at massive scale. And we've been working on that for, for many years. Uh, and our customers see the benefit of that. We typically see um, you know, double-digit reduction in fraud when our customers use our radar technology. Uh, the other area is we're also using natural language AI both within the product and uh, for our documentation. So, for example, if you're looking for how do I use the uh, tax API in my new web uh, platform that I'm rolling out, uh, you can ask those questions within our document uh, area and it will give you those suggestions, even give you suggestions of code that you can cut and paste through the docs into your own um, code base. Um, and further, if there's supportability or 
or other um, financial documents that you need or you need to clarify uh, what do I need to open Stripe in uh, one particular country, you can use uh, natural language AI to do that within the Stripe platform. And we're looking at ways more and more to, to leverage uh, that across our platform. On the user side, uh, it's amazing how fast it's come through and we power probably three quarters of the major AI companies uh, in the industry from Jet, uh, ChatGPT, Dell.E and, and, and others. Uh, and and it was open AI and these companies are your, are your, are your clients. They're, they're our the clients. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. They're our clients. And, um, what they're trying to do now is how do they monetize uh, their platform as well? So earlier in March, we announced that open AI, uh, chose Stripe to power payments, uh, as it moves to commercialize its offering, uh, with a subscription base, uh, they're using Stripe billing for recurring subscriptions and our checkout so that they can uh, enable their customers to use whatever payment method they want and be able to do that either as a one-off purchase or an ongoing subscription. Um, uh, and because they're now available in so many countries, uh, they needed to do that really quickly. And, and so Stripe enabled them through the one integration to just get up and going uh, in 25 countries. But that's, I mean, that's, you've got these companies as your customers, but you're not actually, that doesn't have any impact on the, the technology itself. I mean, you're not doing anything with the technology in that context. Not in that context, but we are using it, as I explained before, to, um, to leverage our own data uh, to make it easier for our customers. So you can come into Stripe now and leverage AI uh, with open AI to, to do searches. Um, on code that you need, how to do something in particular, what supportability and financial documents you need to open an account and, and so on. Yeah. So how, how do you manage this the, is early days, but we're, yeah. you know, we're yeah. seeing it move really quickly. How do you manage the issues that obviously ChatGPT is incredibly powerful, uh, but it uh, depending on, I guess, the, the settings it's set on, it can be also quite uh, cocky <laughs> and, uh, and wrong. <laughs> so um, what do you... How, how do you monitor uh, this thing? And, you know, because it's self-learning, right? So it's not yeah. like you just set some, you know, you can't script it. Uh, so how how do you manage the the risks uh, of, you know, what what if your client comes in and is told something that's just off, you know, based on the, the way they query? Well, the the way we use uh, AI, and it's it's not just chat GPT that we use, um, is we, we train the models on our data. So, for example, we have, you know, a massive set of documentation um, across the portfolio of solutions that we have. Um, and so we train the AI models, whichever tool we use for a particular purpose, uh, on that data set. Um, and that, that data will be, you know, updated uh, regularly. So it's not like uh, we're saying, hey, scale the world and try and find uh, an answer. We're training the models on our data specifically for our purpose. And, and that's how we get um, we get accuracy. Do you see this having down the road impact on uh, on different parts of the payments business in terms of you know how payments themselves are uh, settled, uh, record kept, uh, transacted? Uh, you, you know, there's there's a lot of complexity in the payments world uh, from the acquirer to the consumer side. Um, you know, where where will be the the pain points that? this kind of technology might have 
some pretty forward-leaning capabilities. Yeah, I think there's a there's a couple of areas, Jane, that we're we're seeing things come through. So if you look at handling payments across many countries, there's strong compliance uh, requirements, local regulations. In many cases, not just in a country, but in a state or in a county. Um, and so as you scale, how, how do you leverage AI to, to make sure that from a platform perspective, those things are surfaced? So tax was the example I was using. The other one is, is payment methods. So we're using AI within our unified elements uh, technology, which uh, has, I think we've got 60 plus payment methods globally and growing so that when someone is checking out, depending upon the site they're checking out, their history, um, what they're buying, you know, is it a T-shirt or is it a piece of furniture, the artificial intelligence will surface the correct payment methods that have a higher rate of conversion for that particular purpose. So, for example, it could be a credit card for a T-shirt. It may be a buy now, pay later for uh, a larger purchase. And so we're, we're leveraging artificial intelligence to automatically do that based on a whole um, historical set of data of what converts best in what situation. So there's a, there's a couple of examples of, of the early um, part of where we're seeing AI come through and that will continue to evolve over time. What will be, yeah, thanks Paul. What were some of the risks that you're gonna to have to think about as the AI gets better and better? Oh, well, I think, you know, what are the checks and balances uh, on these things? So, you know, if, if we're or anyone's relying on artificial intelligence to um, automate a particular task or function or capability, what's, uh, what are the checks and balances that, that go into that, right? And that then comes down to what are the monitoring tools, which also end up being automated because at a, at a large scale, um, human intervention is quite, um, is quite difficult. So is there anything that's, that's happening that maybe is off kilter that we need, to, we need to worry about? So I think as we start to automate more through artificial intelligence, uh, what are the monitoring paradigms we, we attach to that so that we're keeping those checks and balances uh, in place? And, and I think that's certainly for us, that's where we're, we're looking at things. I mean, fraud as the example, um, whilst we're monitoring and, and picking up a lot of things, there'll be also an aside monitoring to make sure that, you know, if there is a problem, how does the model continue to learn? And how do we jump on that really, really quickly? I think it'll be a, a constant learning paradigm, which is really the basis of, of AI. It's a, it's a learning model. So it's going to continue to learn. Hopefully, uh, from that learning, things get more efficient. But as with any technology, you, you always need some checks and balances to, to make sure um, things are heading the right direction. The tech sector has had a, a rough year and a half or so, uh, pretty well no advertised. Um, when you joined uh, Stripe in two, 2020, uh, yeah. an evaluation of $36 billion, that skyrocketed to $95 billion uh, at the peak, I think, of the whole tech bubble. Uh, today, according to the last round, is about $50 billion. So uh, maybe from 36 billion, that still looks good, but it was a, a pretty rough ride to get there. Um, so what is the, where is the, uh, the impetus now? Is it, you know, you came here to build in, in Asia, uh, yep. in Asia, ASEAN and Japan. 
Um, but cost cutting has also been a factor uh, in the past several, I guess, six months uh, at the company. So what is that tension between the need to build in Asia, uh, the need for cost cuts, introducing new products, using tools like AI to either generate revenue or save on costs? Um, you know, kind of what is the, I guess, in this multi-horse buggy, which horse is really the, the one that's driving things? Yeah. Um, as you'll remember, uh, Jane, back in 97, when we both moved up to Asia, uh, we walked smack bang into the Asian financial crisis. Um, and across my career, I've had seven, you know, uh, during that time. So it's sort of every five years, there's a crisis. So my view is never let a, crisis, a good crisis go to waste. Um, and, uh, you know, Stripe, like any company, isn't immune to the broader economic downturn. Uh, but we feel really good about where the business is headed, um, uh, how our customers are, are growing and leveraging our platform and our ability to help them drive revenue, regardless of what industry they're in, how, how big their business is, whether it's in APAC or EMEA or you're a small startup or you're a large uh, traditional enterprise like, uh, like Toyota. Um, what, what we do do as, as executives is balance the, the need uh, for efficiency within our own business, even at the best of times, you know, we all should be doing that. Uh, sometimes when, when think the world is growing really fast, you're just trying to capture that, uh, capture that growth. Um, but at the moment for us, it's really about how do we optimize the efficiency of our business, which is not just cost, it's productivity and, and, and a number of other factors. Uh, while still innovating for our customers. And, and you'll see through our sessions announcements that we're announcing uh, a huge amount of innovation across the portfolio uh, within core payments themselves, uh, but also across our revenue uh, and financial automation suite, so our terminal and, and so on. So, you know, we're, we're focused on both. In Asia Pac, uh, we, we continue to invest in technology, we have um, a strong team across the region, both on the go-to-market side, on the development and engineering side. So, um, you know, I, I think we're we're heading uh, in a, in a good direction, and we continue to bring on a yeah. lot of. Uh, I appreciate that it's not a black and white like you just either either you're just cutting or you're just investing. Uh, you yeah. know, you have to manage uh, multiple challenges simultaneously. Can you give us a flavor in Asia where um, where on both though? Where, the, where do you have to cut back? You know, where did you maybe get a little ahead of your skis uh, when the times were a little bubbly? Uh, and then, you know, what markets or what particular products in this region are where you're you're putting your bets right now? Yeah, well, we, we along with the, the rest of the company, um, took part in uh, some of the layoffs that we did in November. Uh, and I think as a company, uh, we handle that as effectively as you could. It's never a nice thing. To, to have to go through, um, uh, but we did what we need to, to do so that we could then move on of, uh, of driving uh, efficiency. And um, we're really supportive of the team and still have great relationships with lots of those um, team members who are now becoming Stripe customers as well. Um, so having done that, it's now, you know, how do we focus within APAC on continuing to serve our market? So for example, um, at that time, we launched uh, Thailand, and Thailand's one of the fastest growing digital economies, uh, and we're helping Thai businesses uh, with their digital innovation and transformation. 
not just the startups and Thai, Thailand is actually a really exciting um, hub for Southeast Asian uh, startups, um, but also traditional uh, organizations, government and, and so on. You know, in Singapore, we've got a number of use cases with, uh, with the Singapore government, which we're, uh, which we're excited about. Um, we've also announced new technology. So in Australia, we've released uh, uh, support for FPOS as a payment method, the new terminal uh, capability over there, uh, both um, in-person uh, tap to pay on your phone and also our own devices. So we're excited about that. Uh, we've expanded that technology into Malaysia. Uh, we're moving from FPX into do it now with those payment methods. So we continue to innovate here. Uh, is the is the pace as as speedy as it was before? But perhaps not. But our priorities haven't um, haven't changed, um, and we're we're actually looking at you know how do we how do we ensure that as we develop fantastic technologies that that's available in Asia as, as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, we're also the, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off there. Yeah, just, we're also supporting um, significant cross border expansion with our customers so as as the economy tightens we're seeing a lot of our users say well how do i how do i actually expand beyond my own market uh, and we're seeing that as a real um, growth engine for our customers businesses is not just to operate in their own um, companies you know thailand indonesia singapore wherever but also expand into new markets and so that is where a lot of companies are also looking to drive revenue um, during this um you know, downturn or how we want to refer to it. How how critical is Asia to, I guess, the company's uh, eventual planned IPO? Um, well, I think it's regardless of IPO or, or not IPO, it's really important to our to our company. You know, Patrick said uh, last year that it, it it's it's a critical part of um, our growth as a as a company. We have two thirds of the world's population out here. In Asia Pacific and Japan, we uh, we're seeing that there's a, a burgeoning um, online economy. We're seeing governments really drive uh, changes to payment methods and and try and uh, look after the underbanked or, or low banked um, uh, members of their population, so that you don't have to have a credit card to to buy online. In India, we're seeing UPI. At you know, not far off, eighty percent of of online transactions and uh, pay now in Singapore. So lots of innovation around there um, that we're learning from as a company uh, because Southeast Asia, India, actually, uh, I believe, leads the world in some of the things that they're doing, and not just in their own countries, but connecting those payment methods. So with pay now in Singapore, you can go to India and use UPI, or I can go over to Thailand and scan my prompt pay code from my Singapore uh, app and have that um, transaction um, yeah. covered without having a, a Thai account or a PromPay account. So, so that but, sort of innovation- where, where does that leave companies like Stripe though? When you've, got, when you've got governments building this incredible digital infrastructure uh, yeah. that you don't have in the West uh, or in developed places like Australia, Japan, so you, you might have faster payment systems, but that's just domestic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where where does that leave you? Because you know, in in the U.S. or in Europe, you're you're competing against you know the audience and the checkout.coms and you know the, these big global players. But in Asia, you've got those players plus you've got this digital infrastructure, and then you've got a lot of uh, companies, technology companies um, 
the, the grabs and go-tos of the world that themselves and, and many others that are also doing payments. Um, you know, many have ended up building their own their own payment infrastructure because they had to at the time because Asia was hard. So where where do you fit in? Like what is kind of the, the vision for Stripe in these markets where you've got such a different kind of ecosystem than what you would face in your in your home base? Yeah, what what it what it does is it drives innovation within Stripe that allows uh, merchants to 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 grow their business globally and actually influences what we can do in in other countries. Um, uh, a, a lot of those companies you mentioned actually use Stripe. You'd be surprised at at the customers that we have that leverage our infrastructure. It may not be visible at the top because we're an infrastructure company. Um, and the uniqueness of us is it doesn't matter if it's uh, a government-enabled um, payment method like PayNow or PromptPay. Uh, we work with uh, all, all organizations, whether it's a government or a commercial payment method, to make sure that merchants want to sell online and now in-store, they can, they can leverage any of those payment methods. So, you know, our job is, as in building our global infrastructure is to make sure that any merchant can sell to any consumer using any payment method in any country across the world. Now, in increasing the GDP of the internet, that's a long journey. Do we support 180 countries across the world yet? No, we don't, but we're certainly on that path. Uh, in terms of, in terms of um, competition, uh, I think Stripe is extremely unique. As I said, whilst we started off doing payments, uh, it, that's really just the foundational aspect of our company. And as I said, we've built a whole SaaS software suite that works through the same platform, the same integration that does billing and invoicing, allows you to, to charge tax. Actually, whether you're using Stripe or not, or a combination of payment method by uh, payment providers, you, you can use our Stripe tax to make sure that that works. Um, we've built out an app store that allows third parties like, like Xero and DocuSign and others to integrate with the, the data capability that, that Stripe has. And whilst we don't have this in APAC yet, certainly it's it's something that we want to bring here. We have a whole banking as a service capability where you can, through your platform, leverage Stripe to issue credit cards or corporate cards or debit cards to set up you know treasury-backed bank accounts uh, and make capital loans all through the same uh, integration. Not to mention the Connect product, which is what powers, you know, more than 80% of the world's uh, so platforms. Can, can I just ask one question? There? So, um, you know, the banking as a service originated in, the, in North America, and, you, you know, you're mm -hmm. hoping to bring it here, uh, I guess, when conditions allow. Uh, are there any things, you talk about innovation in Asia, are there any things that you've developed in this part of the world that are being exported uh, to other regions? Uh, well, we have... Regionally, we have teams that work both on local requirements. So in Japan, we've had teams that's worked on Kombini as a as a very unique Japanese uh, payment method, or or their version of, of bank transfer. Uh, Singapore as well, uh, but those teams also work on on global innovation. I'd say the thing that's top of mind for us at the moment is is the real time payment network, and what that means globally. Over time, uh, we see you know great opportunity there. Not not just you know in Southeast Asia, India, but elsewhere. You know the uh, in Australia, 
um, the Reserve Bank is pushing NPP, uh, their product uh, will be called Pay2, which is that instant um, payment capability that we, we have already here in Singapore and other countries. And so we're seeing it grow beyond just uh, emerging markets in Southeast Asia and India into other countries as well. Europe's working on uh, its version uh, and there'll be others as well. So, you know, from my perspective, that's something that's that's really innovative. The, the other thing that um, is less, uh, I guess, a technology, but more business models that are unique uh, from Asia that we're developing technology to enable are things like the creator economy, um, the, the gaming sector, where a lot of those companies have come from uh, somewhere in Asia, be it China or India or, or Indonesia or anywhere else. And their models of real-time streaming, um, peer, uh, commerce, uh, you know, through chat uh, are really innovative. And so we've been working with a lot of those customers to build enabling technology on our platform to make it really easy uh, for them to commercialize what's what's happening across their platform. Uh, again, I, I think a lot of things are early days in terms of where they'll end up over the next 10 years, but there's some examples of how we're seeing innovation in region and trying to both develop uh, some technology uh, to take advantage of that, but also develop technology that enables those new business models to commercialize effectively. Great. Um, I think we're going to leave it there. That's a good note to end on. Um, and I am conscious of our, our time is, is up. So, Paul, no Arapin, uh, great for your time today. Thanks for joining me on Digital Vox. Thanks, Shane. Great. Uh, really nice to, to talk to you. And um, uh, any other time I can be of help, don't hesitate. <laughs>